0: Go ahead, have a seat. Uh, if you came today ready to give, we've got a box out by the welcome table. You can drop it in there. Uh, if you'd like to give electronically, there's a QR code on the fan that's near your seat. You can scan that, and it'll take you to a place where you can give. Uh, or if you'd like uh, information on automated giving, so it happens every month, regardless of whether which church you're at each Sunday, uh, you can do that from the QR code also, and uh, that'll lead you there. So today, uh, we to start a new series. It's our second week here. This is kind of DNA moment for us as a church, uh, so we're calling this House Rules. Uh, we're going to look at a few chapters from the book of John. It's Jesus's last night with his men. This is the moment where, where he doesn't go into a lot of biographical information. It's more like this is what you need to know. So if we're going to look at our first uh, 10 to 15 weeks here, what do we need to know as a church? What are we going to be like? What are our house rules? We're going to take it from this. This isn't like a lot of the fluffy good stuff stories about Jesus. This is the stuff where Jesus... Tells Talks to his guys and says, this is what you need to know when everything goes totally wrong. This is what you need to remember. So when when Anna and I started leaving the kids at home with babysitters and we would go on dates, uh, every single babysitter got privy to the yellow piece of paper that is on the side of the refrigerator. That doesn't have the story of how we met. That doesn't have the story of when we got married. And and you know, our our first song that was our song is Dashboard Confessional. If you add add another song, yours is wrong. Ours was better. Um... It had, this is the number for the fire department. You call them, and then you call us. These are the closest nearing like living relatives here to this place. If there's a problem, call them. They will come. If they get here before we do, this is the number for poison control. This is the number for the doctor's office. This is the health insurance information. It's not the fluffy stuff. It is the, this is what you need to know when the oven catches on fire moment. And what Jesus goes through in this passage is the, this is what you need to know uh, in this type of moment. It's it's the it's the bare minimum, it's the like the bottom, this is what we build on, it's the foundation of us following Jesus in everyday life. And for us as a campus, this is gonna be so much of what we are built on, who we are, how we exist, how we relate to God and how God leads us and teaches us. And so we're gonna be looking at that for the next few weeks because it's our house rules. It's is gonna give us a direction and give all of us an understanding of, okay, what does it mean for us to be in in this place? What are we gonna be like in this place. And the first story, the first thing that happens in this is where there are two things that are totally ordinary, but the thing that they happen at the same time in the same person is totally out of the ordinary. There's a story I I heard uh, on podcasts this week uh, that up in Northern California, where there's lots of mountains and trees and stuff like that, a bear walked his way into a grocery store, grabbed some chips and walked out. All of that is totally normal. People walking into stores, taking chips, paying for them, walking out, and bears in Northern California, all those things are totally normal. The thing that made the news was that both of those were together in the same story, in the same store. If I was the making minimum wage wearing a yellow windbreaker security guard at that moment, like what would go through your mind? Individual, did you pay for those? Like, are you going to tase that thing and just risk getting your face ripped off? Like, these are all the things that I wonder. Like, what, at what point did, did they even like stand in the way or did they just run and take a break? These are what run through my head. But what we're looking at is a story that makes about as much sense as bears in the grocery store. It's something that doesn't work together. This is Jesus on his last night with his men in John 13. John was one of the guys there. He writes it down uh, so it can be passed on for everyone else uh, to read and to learn and to understand that Jesus is king. And it says this, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and returned to God. Okay, so up to this, everything makes sense. It's Jesus, he's living among the 12 people, the 12 guys that he has called to follow him, and he is modeling for them day in, day out, interaction in, interaction out, conversation by conversation. This is how God loves people. And then it stops making sense. Verse four, he got up from the table. He took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. This is God's greatness, and greatness is greatest when it can be paused. Greatness is greatest when it can be paused. This is Jesus, who's God with skin on, who is forever worthy of all of our worship. Serving men that he created, serving people who, in one way or the other, one way or another were absolutely going to fail him in very short order. People who are gonna deny even knowing him, people who are not gonna live up and model well what it means to follow Jesus. They weren't gonna do the things that Jesus had so well showed them. This is how you live if you say that you know me. And Jesus is washing their feet. This isn't in a point where everybody had good shoes and socks. People walk through disgusting streets with no shoes on. They just have little sandals. And Jesus, God with skin on his face, is down by their disgusting feet, washing them so that we can look at that 2020 years later and get the loud and clear message that following Jesus for us means that for the rest of our lives, we serve people is we take every one of our rights and authorities and privileges and we subjugate that to making other people, giving them a snapshot of what it is to be loved by Jesus. We look for opportunities to serve. One of my favorite places to go in the world, I've been there a few times, uh, is Kenya, Africa. I love it. It's good stuff. Uh, one, of the, one of the rules that we're there, one of the rules that we, we live by when we're there is that we look for every opportunity to serve. And the reason is, is because we are Americans. We're going as North Americans, we land there. And instantly there's this perception among the locals that these people are going to do nothing to help. Which means that when the van gets stuck in one of the massive holes in the middle of the road, the Americans usually sit in the van as the driver has to get out and push the van and the people out of the hole. So for me, as a young guy with all the guys with me, like the van gets stuck and instantly we're out. One, because it's something to do. And two, because we're gonna give every single indication that as Christians, we are here to serve. We don't sit in the van while the 120-pound guy tries to push it forward. No, 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 we're out pushing it for him so he can take a break on the side of the road. And the lesson isn't just you have to serve just like Jesus served because Jesus is your butler and he's just going to serve everything and give you every gift for the rest of your life. The lesson is so much bigger than that. And it goes on, Jesus came to Simon Peter, verse 6. He came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replies to him so much, with something so much bigger than what's going on in the moment. He says something for us. He says, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Unless I wash you, you're not gonna belong to me. We belong to Jesus because of his great work of cleansing us from sin. What he's, tell, what he's saying to Peter right there is, is it's symbolic. It's pointing toward a future that's going to happen in very short order at that point. And Jesus is pointing to the cross. This is the part where getting stuck and staying on the idea that Jesus came to serve me and Jesus came to give me everything that I want, that shatters in what's about to happen that cannot stand in what's about to happen. This is the biggest, most crucial truth of house rules is that God saves sinners because sinners needs saving. That idea of Jesus washing us from our sin is what happened on the cross where Jesus who never sinned took on our sin so we could take on Jesus's perfect relationship with God the Father that we could never experience on our own, but is freely offered to us because of Jesus. For us who say that we're Jesus followers, we are Jesus followers because we have asked him to forgive us of our sin. We've asked him to come into our lives and make new what's been broken. We've asked him to come in and make the changes that he wants to make, whatever those look like because he's in charge now. And I want to say, if you're here and you've never done that, you don't belong to Jesus. He could be your homeboy. You could have him all over your bio and all these things. But if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you don't belong to Jesus. And I'm gonna give you a chance to say yes to that as we close today. We can't forget this. Jesus is pointing us toward the cross when he tells Peter, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. He's saying all of life is surrendered to God. That's what it is for us to be Christians is everything that we know about ourselves, we're giving that to God. For him to do whatever he wants with it because he's in charge now. And so like we talked about last week, okay, so now what? So Jesus washes feet, Jesus forgives us of our sin. Now what? Where does this go from here? I'm skip a little bit all the way to verse 34. Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is bad news for them. Because up until this point in their lives, commands were bad things. Commands were reminders of what they had failed against. Commands are are a a word that brings us back to a point where God had done amazing things up to this point in their history. And then as a country, they fell apart. So Jesus talks about, I'm going to give you a new command. And they're like, man, let's not go back there. I'd love to not think about new commands. If you're in a relationship, this this is basically, we need to talk. So Jesus tells the guys, guys, we need to talk. And everybody's like, oh man, this is bad. This is not going to come out well. And Jesus says, I want you to love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. At this point, command changes. Command changes from this This sentenced to failure, this bad report card that you never want your parents to see, this moment in your life that you don't want to go back to, whose scars are going to continue to weigh on you for forever. It becomes a blessing. It becomes a moment of light and life. Jesus gives us life instead of death, and that's the whole point. He says, just as I have loved you, now I want you to bring that forward. I want you to live that out. I want you to be a representation of that. I want you to stay in my character, even as you look nothing like me, and as you go places that Jesus never, ever physically walked. We get to embody the love of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus as we go throughout our day living like Jesus. We get to do what he tells us. When he says, love each other as I have loved you. We stay in character as we do that. So in our house, uh, Micah, who's six, uh, he's been wanting all week to have an airsoft battle. We have no airsoft guns. We have like two Nerf guns. So everybody else was just grabbing stuff that looked like a gun uh, for our airsoft battle. And early on in the week, Micah figured out that if he just claims a date, this is going to be his date, it's going to happen. Because if he asks us when we're already like knee deep in work, or he's like trying to go through Zoom school, uh, hey, can I have an airsoft battle? The answer is going to be no. So early in the week, he just decided, hey, Saturday, we're having an airsoft battle. This is just what we're doing. Saturday, it's happening. So Saturday, after we had done a bunch of stuff, we all get our fake guns. I had a one by four. That was my gun. Uh, That's a piece of wood. Not even a piece of wood that would be used in a gun. It is just a skinny little piece of wood. And so I got that, uh, and we went out for our airsoft battle. And Micah's so excited. We got a picture of what he looks like. It's awesome. Uh, That may or may not be inside the canal, but don't tell Anna, because I was the one who was with Micah, and she and the girls were over doing other stuff. So on our way to, allegedly, the canal, uh, we were at a park, and... It's loosely populated like there was one other family there. So he can point his obviously orange gun at whatever he wants and everything's going to be fine. I just tell him, don't point it at people because that's always frowned upon. Uh, And I I recognize the other guy at the park. And as somebody I know, as we're running around the park, pointing our guns at people and pretending to shoot people with airsoft bullets that don't even, like aren't there at all. uh, He's another pastor from a church in Clovis, like a real church with a roof and stuff like that, and electricity that goes inside the building. And there I am running around with my six-year-old pretending to have a fake fight because that's the moment where you can't back up. That's the moment where you can't say, son, I'm not going to be like you right now. That's the moment where you can't step out of character. For us as Christians living in this day, one of our rules is we are going to live like Jesus in every way possible, even to the point that it's going to make us look dumb in front of people. And for us to sign up to be Jesus followers means that we're signing up for a lifestyle of taking second place. It's an eight billion way race to last place to lift everybody else above ourselves. Why? Because everywhere that we go, every every chance that we get, we're going to love each other just as I have loved you. Our love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You know, Jesus said this and he knew exactly what's going on in all of our lives. He wasn't married, but he created marriage. And so he knows that this is going to be tough in marriage. To love your spouse as Jesus has loved you. That means mercy. That means compassion. That means listening. That means forgiveness. That means humility and admitting that you're wrong. Day after day after day. Jesus had a job. Jesus went to work. Jesus knew the people at work were going to be tough. And he said, I want you to go into your work and every day, lift other people up. Love people the way that I have loved you, which means being honest even when it hurts, which means doing everything we can to show the love of Jesus in every moment that we can. I mean, we're all God's kids, so we don't have to talk about how tough that is uh, because God loves us and loves us as a parent, but for us as parents, you know, we love our kids the way that Jesus would. We stay in character even when it's undeserved, because we received it undeservedly. In our world, that's falling apart at the seams and no two people groups can seem to get along. As the church, we represent that there's hope for not just our nation and people who look like us, but for all nations, people who don't look like us, who don't talk like us, who don't vote like us, who don't do life the way that we do. There's hope for that. And as Christians and as believers, we get to be like our Jesus in living that out. Well, you didn't understand. All their policies are wrong. Everything they do is wrong. No, 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 no. Everything that we are apart from Jesus is already wrong. So it's not like anybody can be worse than we are. And instead, what we found out was we found Jesus who loves us when we do not deserve it. So we can greatly love others even when they don't deserve it. That's how our world changes. That's how, as a church, doing everything that we can and whatever ability we have to make this place a place where lost people are going to find Jesus. That's our first house rule, is we're gonna serve people the way that Jesus served us, deserving nothing, expecting nothing, and receiving the goodness of God from a God who loves us, who calls us to follow him, uh, and who sends us out to live like him. Let's stand and pray.